Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Welcome to each and every one of you from whatever part of Durban you're watching, South Africa, maybe this whole wide world. Let us know. Uh, but we're so glad to have you. And then we want to welcome all of the folks out there in Phoenix. Uh, they're having a drive-in service. And so to Pastor Mervyn and all of the family that uh, is there right now in Phoenix, we want to welcome you. Thank you so much. Uh, this want to just remind you that our theme for this year is unstoppable. That's our theme for this year. And remember, we use the scripture that's found in Job. And actually, Job was speaking here. And he said in Job 42 and verse 2, in the God's Word translation, I know, talking about God, I know that you can do everything and that your plans are unstoppable. And then I looked up you know, all the meanings of unstoppable. It means to be irrepressible, to be relentless, to be unbeatable, to be fearless, unwavering, unbounded, invincible, unconquerable, limitless, bulletproof. And I want you to know today that there is nothing that can stop the God that we serve because He is an unstoppable God. Your God is an unstoppable God. And then also we serve a big God who is all-powerful, He's all-knowing, and He's everywhere all at the same time. And you might have heard me say this, He is large and in charge and nothing and no one can stop Him. And so right now, I want you just to turn to somebody, maybe there in the car park, maybe in your home or wherever you might be, and just tell them right now, I serve an unstoppable God. I serve an unstoppable God. And you know, nothing, absolutely nothing can stop the sovereign will of God. Nothing can stop the advancing of God's kingdom. And everything about our God is unstoppable. His spirit is unstoppable. His kingdom, last month we spoke about the kingdom. His kingdom is unstoppable. The word of God is unstoppable. God's love for you and me is unstoppable. Thank God that, that His grace and His mercy is unstoppable. And you know what? His glory is also unstoppable. And the amazing thing about our God that I said is that He is never on recess. He's never on leave. He's never on holiday or maybe temporarily unavailable or maybe at a loss for words to say something to you. I'm here to remind you today, family, no matter what you're going through, God is always available. He's always willing, He's always ready, and He is always able to do what blows our minds beyond our imaginations. And I want you to know as well that as much of God as you desire, you can have. As much of His anointing, you can have. You desire. As much of His faith that you desire, you can have. As much of His love as you desire, you can have. And this year, we're believing, as we've been saying, that the unstoppableness of God will flow into every area of your lives, and it will completely overwhelm you. Now, for this month of September, we're talking about unstoppable glory. Still in the theme of unstoppable, but it's unstoppable glory. And today, I've got Habakkuk 2 and verse 14, a very powerful verse in the New King James. It says, for the earth, for the earth will be filled 
with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today for your word that comes to every single person right now, that it wouldn't be the words of a man or the oracles of a man, but I thank you today that you would be speaking through this vessel today. I'm just, I'm just mere flesh. I'm just sand that's been put together, shaped together. But I thank you that it's you that's speaking to us today. And we open up our hearts to receive the seed of your word because we know that your word is able to accomplish much. And again, I pray that whatever is needed, Lord, thank you that your world, that your word brings about the fulfillment whether it's healing for our bodies, whether it's soundness of mind, whether it's peace, whatever is needed, your word brings it to us today. And we forever, Lord, forever, we will glorify you forever. You will be lifted on high. I thank you that your presence, even as we were worshiping, was made real and tangible in every home. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So Habakkuk 2 and 14, what powerful words that were uttered by this prophet like over 2,000 years ago. And he said that there would be a time when the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And I believe that we are living in such times. And you know, in this one verse, there are three little parts that I want to maybe talk to you about. He says, for the earth, and that's the first thing that I want to talk to you. I want, I want to talk a little bit about the earth. And then he talks about that the knowledge. I'm going to speak a little bit about the knowledge. And then thirdly, he says, the knowledge of the glory. I'm going to speak to you a little bit about the glory. Amen. So Habakkuk prophesies these words, and he begins by talking about the earth. And when we're talking about the earth, we're not talking about the planet as we know it and the mountains and the seas and the trees and the bees and the birds and all the animals. But when, when he says the earth, he's actually talking about you and I. He's talking about humanity. And there are all kinds of people that are covering the earth right now. I went online and looked up the statistics with regards to current world population. And as of September 2021, there are now 7.9 billion people, 7.9 billion people all over the earth. The majority of them are found in China, 1.4 billion. And then after that is India, 1.3. And then the United States of America, quite a radical jump, only 330 million, followed by Indonesia, 273 million and then Pakistan, 220 million, and then Brazil, 212 million. And way down on that list, we find South Africa with just over 59 million people. But 7.9 billion people covering the face of this earth and growing at an average growth rate of 1% every year. Think about it, every year, 1% of 7.9 being added to the population. But 7.9 billion from all walks of life and all backgrounds, and God wants to fill them, each and every person with himself. 
And you think about this awesome God that we serve who is all power and he's all wisdom and he is everywhere all at the same time that we serve a huge God and yet he desires for each and every person, each and every one of you that are watching today that make up the 7.9 billion, he desires to fill you with his goodness, his kindness, with the magnitude of his worth and the beauty of his splendor and the demonstration of his power and the atmosphere of his presence. And then Habakkuk says, for the earth will be covered or will be filled with the knowledge. That's the second part that I want to talk to you about. The earth filled with the knowledge. And here God says, my desire is that I want to be known by all mankind. Every ethnicity, every culture, every tribe, every tongue, every single person, my desire is that I want to be made known to each and every one of them. And you know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and died on the cross for every single person. Every one of those 7.9 billion that they might come to know Jesus Christ. And that word knowledge or to know is not in the Hebrew. It's, it doesn't speak about a casual or a flippant relationship or like a one-night stand, something superficial, uh, or, or, or even it doesn't even speak about, you know, a relationship that is religious, but it talks about a, re a relationship that is intimate, that is personal, that is based on love. And I want to remind each and every one of you, you know, that the fact is that God doesn't stand over humanity with a huge stick. And like you've heard me say before, he's got red eyes and smoke coming out of his ears and he's an angry God and he's pounding his fists on the tables of heaven, demanding to be known or otherwise coercing and forcing himself upon every human being. No, that's not the God that we serve. Rather, I want you to get the picture of a God that stands with open arms, ready to embrace and receive and accept and love everybody that comes to him. You know, I was just thinking about this this weekend, and unfortunately, as the human race, as the human race, as humanity, I think we've messed up this God thing quite a bit. If you go back through the ages, I mean, I think mankind got so excited every time God restored a truth that was lost during the dark ages. The dark ages was the, was the demise of the church. I mean, that was man at his worst. And then little by little, God started to restore truth. And I think mankind got so excited that God was speaking and he was restoring truth. And they thought, well, I don't think God's going to speak again. So let's just camp by this truth. Let's make a monument by this truth. Let's make a religion out of this truth. Let's make a denomination out of this truth. And, and, and so man camped there and God moved on, but man stayed there. And then the way that man depicted God to the people was actually a misrepresentation. It really was a misrepresentation. And in every age, man camped around the truth. And I think it was because, well, God spoke, and I, I don't know if he'll speak again, and we're not going to take that chance. So they just kept on 
camping by those truths and, and, and when they stayed there, they, 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 God moved on and they were left with something empty. They were left with the forms and the rituals and the ceremonies and man-made things and, 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 and man put God in a box and tied him up and placed labels upon him. And actually what mankind did is they kind of misrepresented him to the peoples of the earth. And kind of what they did was they began to, you know, mistakenly shove religion down, down people's throats. And I say that with all, you know, with all humility. I'm not trying to point a finger at any person. But what I am trying to say is that that was never the original intent that God had for man. That God would be shoved down people's throats in the name of religion or in the name of legalism or in the name of a denomination. But beginning with Adam and Eve in that garden, God's desire was that he would be known by Adam and Eve in that garden. And you've heard me say this many times, that, that as long as Adam stayed in fellowship and he knew God and was intimate with God and spoke with God and communed with God and fellowship with God, that he prospered in that garden. The glory of God embraced that garden and God knew man and man knew God. And that was his heart for Abraham and on with Isaac and Jacob and then Joseph. And even when Joseph was in Egypt, you know that God wanted to make himself known even to the Egyptians and Pharaoh. And then I like what the prophet Jeremiah spoke about in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in that day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this, verse 33, but this, is the covenant that I will make with the house of the Durban Christian Center after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And then verse 34, no more. Shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. And then if you read the writings of Ezekiel, chapter after chapter, you will see that Ezekiel actually reiterates and repeats and says, the, and says sentences like, and you will know that I am the Lord. This is God speaking through him. And you will know that I am the Lord. See, knowing God, family has got nothing to do with rituals or ceremonies or regulations. Knowing God has got nothing to do with how much Greek or Hebrew you know, and there's nothing wrong with knowing Greek and Hebrew it's got nothing to do with, you know, abstaining from certain foods and wearing certain garments and all of that. Uh, all of that is just forms of externalisms. But knowing him, knowing God, knowing Jesus is simply about encountering the presence of the person of Jesus, coming to know him on a personal one-to-one -one level. 
the essence of his nature, coming to know the magnitude of his worth, coming to know the splendor of his beauty, the demonstration of his power, and the atmosphere of his presence. And I want you to know that when we know God, we're not knowing a cruel God, a vindictive God, an angry God. No, he's a kind and benevolent God that will never force himself upon you. Did you hear me today? He will never force himself upon you. His heart is for you, though. And he does have good plans for you. And he does have a great future in store for you. And his thoughts regarding you are filled and dripping and overflowing with worth and honor and love. But the truth is that he will never, ever force himself upon you. And so Habakkuk says, he says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge, the knowledge of what? Number three, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You know, that word glory is quite an interesting word. The Hebrew word is kabot. And it's interesting because it has so many sides to it and it has so many facets to it. But in its simplest form, the word kabod or glory just simply means God's manifest presence. That's what it means. It means God's manifest. Now, we know God is everywhere all at the same time, and yet he chooses to manifest himself in a specific location, in a specific place, like even during this time of worship, as we worship, God's presence was made manifest. Even though he's everywhere all at the same time, he's omnipresent, yet as we began to lift his name up and we began to incline our hearts towards him, his presence, his glory was made manifest. And when you look at the Israelites, to the Israelites, Kabod was connected to the cloud by day and to the pillar of fire by night. To the priest, what did Kabod mean? Kabod was actually connected to the Ark of the Covenant because that Ark was carried on their shoulders when the camp was moving. But when it wasn't moving and they had pitched camp, that Ark was in the Holy of Holies. And it was in that place once a year on the Day of Atonement when the high priest, not any priest, but the high priest would go with his one hand full of incense and his other hand full of blood, dripping with blood, and he would go beyond the veil into the Holy of Holies wherein the Ark of the Covenant was, but more importantly, where the Shekinah glory was. And so when the prophet Habakkuk uses this word that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory, I want you to know he's using that word glory in its fullest sense with all of its implications and all of its facets and all of its significance. And I looked up that word kabod, and boy, I tell you what, there's a whole lot, a whole lot of words that are tied to that word kabod, glory. And here are some of the meanings. It means the weight, the weight of his substance, the weight or the heaviness of the glory of God. It speaks about power. The word glory is power. The word glory speaks about wisdom. The word glory speaks about superiority. That word glory also has tied to dignity and authority and nobility. 
That word glory has the word reputation, God's reputation. It talks about God's distinctiveness, His splendor, His valor. When that word glory is used, it's talking about something that is important, something that is magnificent, something that is extraordinary and carries with it, hear me now, carries with it extraordinary privileges and advantages. Amazingly, I was really amazed when I saw that the word glory, apart from all that we've said, it also has tied to it the word numbers, numbers. And not accounting a numbers, but, a, but I think when it comes to the angels of God and the hosts of God and, and, and everything that's involved with God, there is numbers. Do you know the word glory has also the word commerce attached to it? And then not only that, but when you see the word glory, it also means riches and abundance and possessions and wealth. And I think it's quite easy when we think about glory, it's quite easy to just tie with it beauty and splendor and power and wisdom and superiority and all that we spoke about. But I'm not so sure about the wealth part, Pastor. Well, that's the part that I'm going to speak to you about today because we often don't hear about that. But that word glory has attached to it wealth. Why? What's the point you're trying to make? The point that I'm trying to make is that when God shows up and reveals his glory, he never shows up broke or empty-handed. Can I say that one more time? That whenever God shows up and reveals his glory, he never shows up broke or empty-handed. Anytime and anywhere you get into the presence of God, <laughs> the promise is there will always be the provision of God. Anytime, anytime you get into his presence, there will be the provision of God as well. When you look in the Bible and you think about how it began, it began with God creating the world in five days, filling the earth. God literally took five days to replenish the earth, to fill the earth, creating all the wealth, all the riches, and all the provision that would be necessary. Five days. And then on the sixth day, you know the story, he created Adam, his greatest masterpiece, and everything that Adam would ever have need of was already provided and taken care of. And you think about God's glory enveloping that garden. In essence, it was Habakkuk 2.14, right there in Genesis. God's glory, the magnitude of his work, the beauty of his splendor, the demonstration of his power, the atmosphere of his presence, and the richness of his wealth covered the earth. It covered the garden. And there wasn't a single thing that Adam was short of. Instead, there was a surplus, an abundance, and an overflow. Somebody's getting this right now in their spirit because we can look on the outside and see the bleakness and see everything that is dismal and see the jobs that were lost and see what the rand is doing and the 
gold and the silver and we can really get depressed. But come on, I'm here to encourage you that whenever God shows up and reveals His glory, He never shows up broke or empty-handed. Let's look at Genesis 2. And I think it's good for you just to go back and see the original intent that God had for mankind. And we're going to look at it from verse 8. And it says, Then the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made every tree grow. I mean, right there, that's abundance. That's the richness. That's the wealth of God. Every tree. I don't know how many trees there are, but all the trees, every tree that is known came out of the ground. I mean, you talk about surplus. You talk about an overflow. You talk about an oversupply. Out of the ground, the Lord made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Hey, I mean, listen, Adam lacked a, did, did not lack a single thing. I want you to see just all these different trees that grew out of the ground and that Adam would just go and pick the fruit and do, have whatever he desired because that, the glory was in that garden. And where there is the glory, God never shows up broke or empty-handed. It says there, the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now, listen, a river went out of Eden to water the garden. So God says, not only am I causing every tree known and unknown, every tree will come out of that garden, but I'm going to continue or, 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 or show you that those trees will continue the perpetuity, whatever is needed to continue the blessing, to continue the richness, to continue the provision, the abundance. I'm causing a river to flow. And that river and that river parted and became four river heads, becomes four. Four is, is the number of universalism. And by that, I don't mean a religion. I'm talking about that four, this, the four corners of the earth. There are four seasons. And, and, and so it speaks about reaching far and wide, covering, covering, covering the four parts of the earth, north, south, east, and west, and everything in between. It talks about covering, blanketing the entire surface of the world. The name of the first river was Pashon. It's the one which skirts the whole land of the villa where there is gold. And verse 12 clarifies and says, and the gold of that land was good. It wasn't just gold. It was gold that was good. And when God says it's good, you better believe it, brother. It was good gold. The gold of that land is good. Bedellium and the onyx stones are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It's the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third, Hittical, it's the one which goes eastward towards the east of Assyria. The fourth is the Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to tend and keep it. You know, family, it's very difficult to read this and not be impacted by the magnitude of God's richness and abundance. A couple of days ago, my wife and I were watching a documentary and it was titled, How'd, How'd You Get Rich? How'd You Get Rich? And this lady was interviewing certain people and, and 
kind of interesting to see how people really got rich. The one guy, you know, he made his money on Instagram and, and, and now, we're, now they fly him to certain parts, certain holiday places, everything paid for, and he's just got to give like a, show pictures of where he's at and give them a good report. And he's made like, I think, oh, I don't know, probably about 10, 15, $20 million. And that's a lot of money. But then they came to this interior designer who did a lot of interior decorating for royalty and high-profile people, including a lot of the sultans, a lot of the sheiks. And, and he then pulled out this model that he was doing for this one sultan, and he was building him a palace, and his job was to decorate this palace. And when I looked at the model, it kind of like just blew me out the way. Just the kitchen, the kitchen was a building that was about a 1,000 square meters, just the kitchen. I mean, people live in flats, and sometimes those flats are about 57 square meters. This kitchen was a 1,000 square meters. And the lady said to the interior, do you think that whoever owns this place would ever go into the kitchen? He said, I don't even think that they will move into three quarters of this palace. They will live in this place and never, ever, ever get to see what's in the kitchen, who's in the kitchen, the equipment that's in the kitchen, the decorating that's gone. I turned to my wife and I said, that's money. I mean, even on that piece of land, they had like a zoo and there was a huge waterway and they even had an underground entrance coming under the water just in case of whatever, whatever. I mean, that's wealth. That's wealth, people. But you know what? When you look at the Bible and you look at Genesis and you look at God's richness and the abundance and the wealth that existed in the garden, even that palace pales into insignificance. Why? Because whenever God shows up and reveals his glory, he never shows up broke or empty-handed. Do you know that God put enough wealth in this world for every one of us to have all our needs met and for there to even be a surplus? Let's have a look at Moses when he goes up on the mountain to be with God. And then on that mountaintop, God reveals his glory. And in Exodus 24, 15, it says, Then Moses went up on the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. 16 says, Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called out to Moses in the midst of the cloud, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountains, and the eyes of the uh, 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 in, in the eyes of the children of Israel. And so Moses went into the midst of the cloud. Mo Moses was, uh, was not afraid to embrace the glory. Moses was not afraid to go after the glory. Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Phew. Imagine that. Glory of God revealed 40 days and 40 nights. God's glory covered the earth, covered that mountain top. Moses himself covered with the glory of God so much so that when he comes back down the, the mountain, they had to put a veil in front of his face because his face radiated with the glory. 
And you know, Israel, the whole of Israel, looked from afar and saw the glory. They heard Moses speaking with God, Moses knowing God, Moses being intimate with God in the glory cloud. And the sad thing is that they said, God, uh, we, 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 we want you to know, we want Moses to be our spokesman. What we're seeing right now is just too close to the bone for us, but we would like for Moses to speak to you and then he can come and tell us. And you know, the heart of God was that for each one of those Israelites to know him. His heart was that each one of them know the glory and be covered by the glory, but they were too afraid. And Moses... Yeah, he wasn't afraid to embrace the glory. He wasn't afraid to go after the, uh, you know, and pursue God. Moses hungered after God's presence because it was in God's presence where he encountered God's glory. And so I want you to picture the scene here. Moses up on the mountain, 40 days and 40 nights, and there is the glory. He's immersed in the glory He's having the encounter of his time, immersed in the glory. And the very next thing that God speaks to Moses in chapter 25 is about wealth. In Exodus 25, verse 1, then the Lord spoke to Moses. Now, he's just been in the glory cloud. He says, now speak to the children of Israel, saying that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And then in verse 8, he says, And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. Because why? He was getting ready to build the tabernacle because the tabernacle was for one thing and one thing alone. Even though there was a lot of sacrificing and stuff that happened in the outer court and in the holy place, but ultimately that tabernacle was for one thing that his glory might dwell there. And God was just trying to show the Israelites that even though my glory, which is kabod, can mean the weight of my presence, it can talk about the authority of God, the wisdom of God, the beauty of God, the splendor of God, the distinctiveness of God. I want you to understand Israel, and I want you to understand Durban Christian Center that the word glory is also tied to my provision. It's tied to my, my supply, my never-ending, never-ending, never-ending supply. You can never exhaust the supplies of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's in His glory that He's able to supply and meet every one of our needs to cover every expense that you are facing right now, and for there still to be a surplus and an abundance and an overflow. Why? Because whenever God shows up and shows and reveals His glory, He never shows up empty-handed or broke. There is always an abundance and surplus with God. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I felt I, felt I need to just remind you, there is always an abundance and surplus with God. Yeah, thank God for his beauty. Thank God for his splendor. Thank God for his majesty. Thank God for his love and his kindness. But thank God also that when he reveals his glory, it's to reveal that everything he created and put into this earth still belongs to God. All the gold belongs to God. All the silver belongs to God. All the platinum 
belongs to him. All the copper is him, all the diamonds. Even though De Beers is looking after the diamonds, the diamonds actually still belong to God. All the precious stones, the rubies, the sapphires, the onyx, the emeralds, all of that belongs to him. And whenever his glory, wherever his glory is manifested, there his riches and his wealth are manifested as well. And the amazing thing is that the manifestation of all the riches, all the abundance, and all the wealth of God has nothing to do with what's happening in the world. It has nothing to do with gold, dollar, stock markets. God's wealth and riches are independent of the natural laws of economics and markets and industries that govern the world. But they have everything to do with the laws that govern heaven and the kingdom of God operating on this earth. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 18, in the Passion Translation, quite an interesting verse. It says here, unending wealth. Can I say that again? Unending wealth and glory. Because wherever his glory is, there you'll, you'll find unending wealth. Unending wealth. Unending wealth and glory come to those who discover where I dwell. The NIV says it like this. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. Why? Because wherever God is, there his glory is revealed and God never shows up empty-handed or broke. What is Romans 9, 23? Let's go into the New Testament. It says there, and that he might make known the riches of his glory. The riches of his glory. Philippians 4, 19 says, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Why? Because wherever God's glory is revealed, he never shows up empty or, or, or empty-handed or broke. If you need provision, just find his glory and stay in his glory. And he promised, he promised, Habakkuk promised, I, 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 the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. And wherever God's glory is made manifest, <laughs> you'll find the provisions of God. You'll find the riches. You'll find exactly what you need to pay those bills, to, to meet every expense, and you'll have a surplus as well. Family, we haven't given to God today, and I'd like to give each and every one of you the opportunity to come and, and give. And as I've been speaking about the glory, I know that for, for maybe for many of you, you know, we've had glory associated with splendor and beauty and the awe of God and the weight of God. And, and all of that is true, but, but it's also connected to things like the wealth of God, the richness of God, the abundance of God. And in this very atmosphere right now, come on, I want you to step out in faith. Maybe you don't know about tomorrow, what's going to happen tomorrow. Maybe for some of you, you're without jobs. But I believe that as you step out in faith and sow whatever it is that God is placing upon your heart to sow, that He will honor that. Amazingly, the wealth that the Israelites had in Exodus 25, where did they get it from? From the Egyptians. When they left on that last night, the 10th plague came and there was a transfer of wealth. And, and they went and asked 
the Egyptians, and they gave them their gold and their silver and all of that. And in the glory cloud, the first thing that Moses comes down and says, right, get ready to give, because I want to show you that wherever God's glory is manifested, there will always be the provision of God, the supply of God, the riches of God. Come on, we serve a God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, the silver and the gold is His. Hallelujah. And I'm speaking to you today so that you can get your eyes off the circumstances. So the details are coming up on your screen. There's so many different ways to give. And I want to encourage you, every one of you, to participate. We can sit back and just look and see, okay, well, that's great. That's wonderful. But I want to encourage you. Come on, pick up your phone. It's become so easy today. We do EFTs and we pay suppliers and pay people on our apps and we do everything on the phone. It's become so convenient. And not like everybody, everybody to participate, whatever it is that the Lord is impressing upon you right now. And I'm believing, I'm believing because God says, I want to be known by my people. I want to be known by my people. And in that knowing, there's the glory of God, the manifest presence of God. And wherever the manifest presence of God is, there will be the provision of God. You don't need to look to the east or to the south or to America or to China or to wherever, but your God, our God, our God, our God shall supply as long as we just get into the glory and stay in the glory as long as we walk with God and talk with Jesus every day. So whatever it is that you're saying right now, we're going to pray. All right, take that seat. Get your phone out. Come on, get ready, whether it's going to the building fund or, or wherever it is. But let's sow in this time right now. Let, let's sow. And so, Father, I thank you for every single person right now, even as we've heard this word, that wherever you Reveal your glory. You never show up empty-handed. You're never broke. But I thank you for the supplies of God. I thank you for the wealth of God. I thank you that if Adam in the Old Testament could, could enjoy the wealth and experience the wealth and see the wealth of God, how much more your people, God? And I know that there are many, Lord, that are faithful, so faithful and committed to you, committed to this house, committed to what we do, committed to the mission, committed to the vision of the Durban Christian Center. And today you're speaking to them, God. And as you're doing that, I thank you that you're stirring up faith and you're helping us to get our eyes off the circumstances. You're helping us right now to understand that where your glory is, that's where I need to be. Where your glory is, that's where I need to be. I don't need to be where there's calamity. I don't need to be where there's negative news. I don't need to be where there's criticism. I don't need to be where there's naysayers. I don't need to be where there's those that hate your word and hate your presence, but where your glory is, that's where I need to be. Because in the glory, you supply and meet every need in Jesus' name. Come on, right there in your place. Let's lift your hands right now. Let's just spend a bit of time worshiping. And I believe as the glory comes, you're going to see new ideas, witty inventions, all kinds of stuff coming. God opening doors of opportunities as we worship a little bit. And as the deer, come on.
and you alone, you alone are my heart's desire, and I long to work. And you alone, come on, lift it up and sing it. Yeah. 
Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, I thank you for every person watching right now. I want to talk to you right now, those of you that are watching. And maybe there's no peace in your life. You're away from God. Whatever the deal is, I don't know. All I'm here to tell you, sir, all I'm here to tell you, ma'am, is we're not here to judge. God is not frowning upon you today, waiting for an opportunity, you know, to put sickness upon you and to hurt you and to abuse you. God is not waiting for the earth to open up so that He can swallow you whole. That's not the kind of God that we serve, and that certainly isn't the dispensation in which we find ourselves in. But today, there is a love that comes to you right now. And you say, Pastor, but there's things in my life that I'm not happy about, and I've fallen short, and I don't feel holy enough. I don't feel worthy enough. I don't feel righteous enough, and you never, ever will. And that's why this whole thing that I'm talking to you about is, is it's the grace of God, unmerited favor, God's kindness when we didn't deserve it. God's love when we didn't deserve it. God's forgiveness when there's nothing that we did that would cause us to earn His forgiveness. But you see, it's a gift. God knew that we wouldn't be able to provide and supply. God knew that we would come to the table empty-handed. And that's exactly as it is. There's nothing that we can bring to the table all we can bring is ourselves and all the mess that we carry and all the problems and all the woes and all the troubles that we find ourselves in. And the important thing is just realizing that without God, you're lost, sir. Without God, you have no hope. But with God, you have hope. With God, you have all the chance that you need. With God, there is all the mercy. With God, there is all the forgiveness. It's not like you have to try and justify yourself to God and prove your worthiness. God knows we've messed up. In fact, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not a single person. I don't care how much Greek you know and how much Hebrew you know and how many degrees you have posted on your wall. There's nobody that is able to come and say, God, I can come to heaven. I have entrance to heaven because of this, because of that. There's nothing that we have to offer God. All we can offer is ourselves. And being truthful with ourselves. We can fool each other and pretend. But the thing that God loves is when we're just honest and open and transparent and vulnerable. And we just say, yeah, I, yeah, I, I messed up. I, 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 I'm not worthy enough. I, I, I'm not righteous enough. I don't deserve your goodness. I don't deserve your kindness. But I know that without you, I'm lost. And that without God, I'm a sinner in need of a living, loving Savior. And on that basis, we can come and we can open our hearts. And there's many of you right now. God's just opening your heart and making 
a way for you to come as you are. And as you do that, I want you to say this prayer. Would you say after me, Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. Just as I am with all of my faults, all of my failures, you have made a way today. Not because of me, but because of your grace, because of your word that I have heard today. And there is a faith that your word has generated in my heart. And I'm able today to say the, this prayer, to say these words, to acknowledge you as my Lord, as my Savior, as my Redeemer. Right now, I declare that you're a good God and that you desire to do good things in and through my life. Thank you for your blood that cleanses me and washes me. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.